Hey, welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and I have with me Dr. Aaron Neufeld, who is owner of Los Altos Optometric Group in California, and also co-founder of the very popular um, ODs on Finance Group. So, hey, Aaron, how you been? I've been good. How about you, Steve? I have been great. I have been great. Yep. Holidays went well and just getting back into the into the routine. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> so as we, we talked before, I thought it would be interesting I reach out to you to discuss a, I, I suppose we could call it a form of marketing, but it's probably not what we typically think of when we think of marketing. We traditionally probably think of things like a website and promotional campaigns and digital marketing. But what I'd like to focus on is more the human side of marketing, which I think really gets neglected in in many ways. As we look at all these other really cool technological ways of of marketing, I think sometimes we lose sight of that that human side. Um, but it can be a very effective way to market. But I, I think it's something that that too many ODs neglect, and that would be drum roll, getting referrals from other healthcare professionals. And I and I know that's a strategy that you've used successfully to to help grow your practice. So what I'd like to do is dive into some of those strategies with you and insights regarding your approach to getting patient referrals from other healthcare professionals. So maybe we'll just start with asking you to to perhaps share an overview of your philosophy or your approach to collaborating with other healthcare professionals for patient referrals. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be active and it's got to be open-ended. So we've got a lot of healthcare professionals that we work with in order to bring patients into our office. And the ones right off the bat, the ones that seem obvious, of course, you've got your PCPs, you know, you're managing diabetic patients with them or what hypertensive patients. And then you've got your ophthalmologists as well. And with those doctors, you know, we refer out for cataracts, we refer out for retina, but we let them know that, you know, we're the place where we can, where they can get their specialty ones patients taken care of. So I actually work very directly with our cataract doctor. And he actually sends most of his complicated corneal patients for squirrel lens referrals and fits. And so we have that budding relationship. And what I'll actually do with him is we meet once a quarter. So I'll go to his office. Sometimes he'll come to mine and we'll just talk about cases that we've had and ways that we can help each other. And so those are kind of the two big ones, but then you go into the smaller professions that I think optometry doesn't think too much about. Uh, one of the big ones is podiatry, and I've talked about this on a few other uh, articles and podcasts. And the reason that podiatry is so big is, once again, who's the number one patient for podiatrists? Diabetics, right? And so those are individuals that also need eye care as well. So having strong referral bases with them is great. Um, other kind of ancillary healthcare providers, uh, you think PT, chiropractors, even dentists around our area, try to just have good relations with them. Now, one thing we do a lot of in our practice is myopia management and control. And we found a good parallel to that is the orthodontists in our area. So a lot of those kids are on the same trajectory. They might be myopic. And so it's just good to have that awareness. You know, it's not like they're shooting five patients into our office a day, but we are having that awareness and we're able to cross-reference there. So that's kind of just a general overview of how we approach the, the referral process. How do you initiate it with the doctors? Are, are you going to their office? Are you reaching out? Are you showing up with cookies? Are you reaching out to their staff? How do you get your foot in the door? Because I think that's where some doctors feel somewhat rejected. You know, they'll say sometimes, well, I would go to the office, but I can't even get the doctor won't even come out and talk to me. 
Yeah, yeah. So the number one thing that we do is I have my receptionist cold call and I actually have a script and I have a script for each type of doctor. So I have a script for new ophthalmologists that might come into the area. We've got a script for pediatrics or, you know, general practitioners and then scripts for other uh, healthcare providers as well. And then once we get that appointment, I think it's important to respect their time and to respect their space. So I don't think it's wise to just show up at their office, even if you are bringing, you know, cookies or coffee. Uh, You really want to make that appointment and show that, hey, your time is valuable. And you also want to make sure that you go there too. Don't send a staff member there. It's got to be the doctor meeting with them. Make the meeting short. Just needs to be 10 to 15 minutes. It doesn't need to be a long meeting. And yeah, what we normally do, either me or my associate, we will bring coffee. We'll bring pastries for the office. And then we also bring out customized material for that office. So normally it's going to be a binder that has our branding on there. And it's going to tell what services we offer. And then one thing that I think is really important is we've got a referral pad. So that way they can either email or fax the referrals really easily to us. And they can just check off a few boxes for what they need so that we can get in contact with the patient. I think it's vital to just have that ease. Writing a letter can be complicated, especially if you're running a very busy practice. And that's probably something, you know, when you think about all the things that a practitioner has to do, and if they got to write a letter to you as well, then that's going to fall by the wayside. But if you've got something that takes two seconds to fill out and fax or email to you, you're more likely to get out of those referrals. It seems like some of the things you're doing actually reduce the friction that maybe some doctors run up against, like just the pop-in, for example. The doctor's reaction might be, how long is this going to be? What, How is this conversation going to go? But you mentioned making the appointment, maybe clarifying from the beginning how long this is going to be. If it goes mm-hmm. longer, it goes longer. But I think when you say, hey, can I just get five minutes? Can I get 10 minutes of your time? They're logging that away that I only have to set aside 10 minutes. This isn't someone who's going to monopolize 45 minutes uh, of my schedule and giving them that referral pad. Again, it, it makes it very easy for them, mm-hmm. which I think is is something that that probably goes over well. Well, I generally, and, and it's interesting that you said the the value of you going as well and not just sending someone else in. I couldn't agree with that more. And while I agree with setting up the appointment, I think that's a good idea. I'll, I'll share a quick story with you about yeah. when I was still in practice. At, in my desk, there was a little drawer to the left. And when you open that drawer, there was all these business cards wrapped in rubber bands from different ophthalmologists and specialists in the area that I would refer to. I would give the patient a card like most of us have. And and most of them were just mailed into us, right? Mm -hmm. There was one particular card that I would find myself going toward time and time again. One specific ophthalmologist, you know why I kept going to that card? He was the one doctor that stopped in himself. I could put a face to that doctor. I don't know if he was the best doctor or not. I really don't. But he was the one out of that entire drawer that I could put a face to. He stopped in. He was a nice guy. He seemed very personable. I felt comfortable sending my patients. So yeah, I definitely agree. If you can get that little bit of FaceTime with the ophthalmologist, it, it or not, I'm sorry, with the um, the referring doctor, it, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. So from a Communication standpoint, moving forward, I I think one of the things you mentioned was meeting regularly, at least with the cataract surgeon, which I think is great. It establishes that ongoing relationship. Um, Any other suggestions or tips regarding how to ensure effective communication and and sort of that seamless coordination when receiving referrals from other healthcare professionals? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest one is sending them a letter back, giving them an update on their patient, because it's something that I know from my standpoint, referring out. A lot of times I don't get any info back. And so I've that's happened a lot with 
with retina, there's certain doctors I've referred out to never got anything back. So I don't use those doctors anymore because then I'm kind of, I have no idea what happened once that patient left. So just having that ongoing communication, sending that letter back right away and just updating them as well. Because some of these patients end up, you know, becoming our patients, especially squirrel lens patients that, you know, have to come back for multiple follow-ups and just giving them an update. Uh, I've got, and also like knowing what type of communication they prefer. So obviously letters are the classic, but the cataract surgeon I mentioned a little bit earlier, he actually prefers phone calls. And that's actually easier for me too, because I don't have to write up a three-page letter. So I just call him. Normally it's on a Friday afternoon. I uh, just give him a call when we're both not practicing and doing admin time, just update him on everything. And he's happy with that. So just finding what works best for each doctor, because everyone's got their own way of communication. So let me ask about what may be the 10,000 pound gorilla in the room because this is something else I'll hear from ODs is that other medical specialties, other medical doctors only want to refer to ophthalmologists. Has that been anything you've run up against? Yeah. You know, that is something we run up against in the big healthcare system. So I'm in California. So the biggest ones are obviously Kaiser and Sutter Health Palto Medical Foundation. And so with those, they only want to stay in-house and they tend to want to just refer from MD to MD. We don't see that as much if we go outside of those systems. And so those are the doctors that I'm primarily engaging with. You know, there's no harm in engaging with those other ones, but I kind of know what's going to happen in those systems and how they're trained. So, you know, engaging with private practice has been a really good one. We've got a private practice that's a five pediatrician, five private practice that's about 10 minutes away. And we engage with that one all the time because we know that, you know, a couple of them are actually patients of ours as well as those MDs. And we know that a lot of myopia management patients are going to come from that because, you know, they're going to do the standard vision screening. They're going to see a 2040, a 2060. They're going to send them over our way regardless. But if they send them over our way with that myopia management brochure that we leave with them, then there's that thinking that's going on right away. By the time they get to our office, they're already asking questions about myopia management rather than do I need glasses? What's wrong with my kid, et cetera, et cetera. So it kind of helps frame everything and it gets the patients that you want into your office as long as you're marketing appropriately for those patients. It would seem that there would be a lot of added trust as well. If you are getting a referral from another doctor, now that patient may not know you if they're coming to see you for the first time, but when they've been referred by another doctor that let's say they've been going to for a while and, and they have a lot of trust in that doctor, when that doctor says, Hey, go to Dr. Newfeld for this issue, that would seem to create an, an added layer of trust, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That tends to add that layer of trust. The, you know, some of the things I'm hearing here are maybe this is just something I would add in is get, get comfortable with rejection. Cause there, you said there is no harm in going out there, introducing yourself, networking, getting known in the community. Don't give up after two no's or two people that, that agree Absolutely. to shake your hand, but don't send you anybody. So be persistent with it. But if you found, I, I would use this, I don't know. Let me ask you if you think it's appropriate and have you ever, have you found this to be the case at all, but is, is there any kind of a snowball effect here where once you get one group and another doctor involved, now you can go into a, a new facility or clinic or doctor and maybe sort of drip in. Yeah. The clinic over there has been sending us a lot of our patients and that doctor, we've been working with him a lot. Would that help establish trust in the minds of, uh, of, of new doctors or referral sources that you're talking to? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that we've definitely done. It gives you, first of all, it gives you confidence, right? If you're getting more referrals, then 
you're confident in your ability and the trust that those doctors have, but also it works on the other side too. And I mean, if you go to a new clinic and, and you're the one getting the referrals from ophthalmologists and they're going to want to be seeing what you're doing. So they could possibly get referrals coming back from you. Cause obviously your clinic's growing and has some prestige in the community. So yeah, it definitely goes both ways. And I, I do see that happening. Is there any other factors that you believe contribute to other healthcare professionals decision to refer a patient to you versus another specialist or another practice? I think we probably covered some of those, but is there anything that you find as a differentiator that you could walk in and say, we can provide this where perhaps some other specialties can't? Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the big ones is we always tell these doctors that we're not a big clinic. We don't want to be that big clinic. We're an office. We treat everyone like individuals. We get to know patients. Uh, our scheduled times, we spend about 30 minutes per patient. So we're going to give them that benefit of the doubt that we're going to provide some exemplary care and they're not just referring to another hospital setting. So that really helps them out in making that referral. Uh, that's number one. And then I wanted to address something that you mentioned uh, just a little bit earlier about rejection. Uh, one thing I didn't mention when I first talked about going out to all those different practices, we had a list of about 80 practices on the call list, only about 20 books. So it's not like every practice is going to book with you. So you're not going to have all these appointments to go to. So just keep that in mind that, yeah, you're going to get a lot of rejection. And really, there's only going to be a few practices that are going to refer to you. And that's better than having everyone refer to you because then it just becomes a, a hot mess. And what you're going to find is over probably a year or two, especially if this is a new practice that's trying to do this, is you're going to find your four or five kind of your your tribe that you work well with. And that's going to be who you continue nurturing relationships with. All the other ones, maybe you reach out once a year or once every two quarters or so, but the other ones are the ones that you're going to be keeping in communication with. Hey, are most of these referrals coming from healthcare specialties outside of optometry? You mentioned you do myopia management. Are any of these referrals coming from other optometrists that maybe don't provide a service that you do? Yeah. Yeah. And I, actually, that was the kind of the big thing I want to touch on after we talked about the MDs and the other specialists is optometry inter-referrals. Uh, that's something that we do a lot of um, specialty lenses. We've got a couple of practices down the street that refer to us and we've got a understanding that, you know, we're not going to take them for optical or comprehensive exams. We always refer back. And yeah, myopia management is another big one. Uh, in my practice, I do not do VT. And so I've got a great doctor 20 minutes away from me that I always refer to her. And we've just got these agreements that, you know, she's going to see him for VT, refer him back for everything else. And I think we need to see more of that in optometry. There's just so much to go around. And, you know, there's a lot of practitioners that just want to do, you know, regular patient care. Others in the dry eye sphere, you know, a lot of dry eye specialties, myopia management, whatever it might be. And I think if we can find those practitioners and start referring intern in our profession, rather than referring out to ophthalmology, that's going to help us build up more. So that's something that we definitely have established. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, some competitiveness is good, but at the same time, working together with other doctors in your community for things you don't provide, don't want to provide or, or just can't provide because you don't have the expertise or the technology. It, it really makes sense to come together with, with other specialties. Um, I'm curious working with specialties outside of the eye care profession, does it require some explanation what optometrists actually do? Yeah. Yeah. That's normally my first five minutes is just telling them exactly what we do. Cause when I walk in, the common question is like, 
you guys do glasses, right? You know, that's kind of the big one they always ask. And so we talk about all the other things we do as well. I love talking about contact lens technology. And of course, you know, that we can treat both anterior and posterior segment disease and all of that and diagnose and everything. So yeah, kind of just let them know that, you know, we're the gatekeepers for, for eye care. We're kind of the, we're the primary care at the end of the day. And we also have our specialties. And it's a big thing too, when we really go into these I use the term like marginalized healthcare professions. So ones that feel even a little bit more inferior than we do in the kind of grand hierarchy of doctors. Uh, so the PTs, uh, that's a big one. The chiropractors in our area, I've got a couple of good friends that actually refer uh, specifically to me whenever they see something that might be eye care related. And, you know, just into it. And then another one is audiology as well. Uh, they just feel a little bit, they're all doctors, but they all just feel a little bit marginalized. So if you can show them that, hey, we're, we're on the same playing field, happy to refer you to someone that might need a new hearing aid if you want to refer me someone that needs to be seen for an eye exam. Uh, that means a lot to them because most people aren't reaching out to those professions. You know, they don't see them in the same, on the same level. So just reaching out to those has been a big practice builder for us. You know, it's interesting. We're focused mostly on getting referrals from other healthcare specialties, but I will tell you something that I've noticed in working with a lot of different doctors around the country. I, I'm someone who just likes to observe and try to find those things that aren't so obvious. And one thing that I find pretty consistently in successful practices is that the doctors are often very involved in their community. And they're either making it's this is such a relationship driven uh industry that we're in. And if you own a business, there's so much value to just getting out whatever that is through the, you know, your your golf club membership or just getting out into your community doing different things but there just seems to be a high level of interaction between the doctor and people in the community and that is not going to pay off for you overnight or in one interaction or just joining you know the, the chamber of commerce like overnight that's not gonna that's not really going to make a difference but over time it absolutely will and I, I see that over and over. So I think you could probably take a lot of these skills and even the ones that don't work out, but just getting that experience in talking about yourself and your practice and what you do in a way that doesn't come across as you're trying to solicit everybody, but rather just getting comfortable with that conversation that that could translate into areas outside of medical specialty as well. Absolutely. I, I think community involvement is a very big thing for building a practice. And, you know, it's something that I've been heavily involved in. I'm involved in Rotary and also our chamber. And yeah, it's exactly what you said. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, we've got a Rotary meeting every week of every year, and I've been in it for seven years now. And I, a lot of business owners, they ask me, is, is that worth it? I mean, that's a lot of time that you're spending. And from a pure business standpoint, from acquiring new patients, absolutely. Because every, all 170 members of Rotary are my patients and then they refer patients in, but it took time to build those relationships. It didn't happen the first year or two. I had to get to know everyone first. So yeah, there's definitely a lot. You just got to find what, find your thing. I mean, maybe it's volunteering, maybe it is golf club, like you mentioned, or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's basket weaving, who knows what it is, but just find your, find your group and, you know, just start being involved in the community. You mentioned a list of 80 and about 20 of them you got referrals from, which I actually think it's pretty good. That's why I, I brought it up. I I, I just assumed that you weren't 100%. I assumed that if there was a list of 80, you weren't 80 out of 80 because that, that's normal. But I'm curious about the 60. I know we're just using round numbers here. Yeah. I'm curious about the 60. Is there anything you notice, any pattern, anything 
that came out of that that indicated to you here's why they're not referring to me that's actually that's a good question and you know the biggest thing was you know we don't have time uh to see you because we'd always try to set up an appointment uh that was a big one or we'd call back later you know something like that an excuse of that sort but it seems to be just a general interest in either not referring out either from a time aspect time management aspect or that there might be some fear that if they do refer out, you know, what am I getting in return? Because uh, obviously we can't pay for referrals or anything like that. Um, so yeah, there's, those are probably the two biggest things to bridge is, you know, the why behind doing it. And also this is just gonna add time to my schedule, so. Is there anything that you've changed along the way since you started doing this that you said, well, this isn't working, but I'm going to try doing something different here, whether that's with you or with the staff. And maybe this is a two-part question and we'll, we'll close out here. Um, is there any process that you have in seeking feedback from other professionals or any kind of follow-up communication with the referral professionals to improve this referral process or, or patient outcomes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've constantly been refining it. So the materials, of course, the marketing materials that we use, that binder I talked about, the check, you know, the the notepads, all of that's been refined throughout the years. But I think the biggest thing is actually talking with the professional, doing follow-ups, whether it be the quarterly meeting or phone calls, whatever it may be, and asking how you can be better for them. Because ultimately you just want to make this as, as you said, as frictionless as possible. So just any way that you can kind of make that process a little bit easier for them. And then the other thing too is getting, if you're doing OD to OD referrals, I like getting ODs involved. So with my myopia management patients, I want to, I want them to actually see like my ortho K patients for their three month and six month follow-ups. Cause I know if I'm taking them and I'm seeing them for six follow-ups, chances are that patient's just going to want to come back to me, but I don't want that. And that doesn't respect the relationship I built with that OD. So we do have that agreement that if they do send one over, I'm going to send them back for a couple follow-ups and I, you know, and we arrange for that. So getting them involved and once again, just seeing how we can be better for them are the number one ways and just doing that on a quarterly basis. Outside of medical, do these, some of these become your optical patients? Yeah. You know, in general, we do get a few. And once again, I, I, so I don't want to breach that with OD. So if it's an OD to OD referral, I'll say no. Right. You, you I, can't I, buy I it from us, but more, yeah. Yeah. More of the other. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that yeah, would definitely, probably not definitely be appropriate. The MD yeah, yeah, definitely the MD referrals that come in. Uh, a lot of them do become optical patients. They're looking for glasses. And so that helps from both that standpoint as well as the doctor standpoint. So, so that really just a big practice builder actually. Just today, before I jumped on this call with you, I saw a couple that go to the local chiropractor who also happens to be a patient of mine, but is a big referral source. And, you know, he referred them here. Uh, They're new to the area, new to the country. And so they both came in got glasses, both of them myopic. So they were both happy. And at the same time, you know, that earlier today they got their backs fixed. So it's, mm -hmm. it's a win-win in that regard, but yeah, it's, it's things like that. And once again, just checking in, making sure everything's working well. I think it's such a great way to build a practice. And it's, again, I, I think it's really neglected. It's why I wanted to talk about it. We've become so focused on some of these other ways, which are great. You should have a great website. You should have a great social media, you know, and online, um, presence and, and all those things. But I just think there's 
there's no substitute for the face-to-face -face interaction, that human side of what we do. And I, I think that's where we took the conversation today, both from the standpoint of making those connections with other healthcare professionals, but also once they come into your practice, you're making a connection now with the, with the patient. I, I remember a friend of mine years ago, I had just started practicing and he was working with an ophthalmology group and there was a uh, patient had come in. He had, hadn't been there that long. He's an OD, but it, mm -hmm. the, there was a real big name ophthalmologist in the area. So I, I won't say the name or anything, um, but a patient came in once and he, and he looked at my friend who was the OD and he looked at him sort of looked very discouraged to see him. And he said, oh, I'm when am I going to see Dr. So-and-so? And he was talking about the ophthalmologist. And my friend said, oh yeah, no problem. We'll bring him in. Let me just go over a few things with him and started talking to him about his diabetes and a conversation ensued and they started going, you know, conversation went back and forth. And, and then my friend goes, okay, let me go grab Dr. So-and-so. And the patient looked at him and says, the hell do I need to see him for? And I think it really goes toward once we have an opportunity to sit down with somebody and, and to have that conversation and make that connection with somebody, it's, a great way to establish trust well beyond what we could do with a, a brochure, you know, like Absolutely. here's my new doctor, here's a brochure. But actually once we just sit down with somebody, we have such a better, um, I think we feel that connection and, and a higher level of trust with that person. Absolutely. Yeah. And I got two things to add to that. Actually. Well, first one anecdotal, um, kind of a, a little bit of a similar story uh, in rotary. We just had a, an MD join about a month ago and I met her at the, the holiday party. And then sure enough, a week later, diabetic patient she had uh, referred in just to make sure there's no diabetic retinopathy. So it was as simple as that, just establishing trust in that way. And then um, the second thing is when you look at it from, a, obviously we're on a podcast where we're talking about practice ownership, when you look at it from a numbers perspective, most of these patients that get referred in, when you have that level of trust already built up and you have that personal connection, what I've always seen, and of course it's going to be the case with like a squirrel fit, but even a patient that's just referred in for an annual eye exam is you're going to have a higher revenue right there. Cause once that trust is established and they're more likely to shop at your office, they're more likely to buy their, your supply of contacts at your office or more, more likely to partake in dry eye treatment, you know, et cetera, et cetera, versus that online marketing. We talked about that social media marketing, that's just going to get people in the door, but that doesn't necessarily establish the same level of trust that a referral does. So. Absolutely. So yeah. So be proactive, get out there, shake some hands, meet some people. Um, create some awareness. So Aaron, thanks so much. It was good talking to you as always. Um, I, a lot of people I'm sure are already a part of your Facebook group, but OD is on finance. Um, how would people, if they're not and they're curious, how would they access that? Yeah, they can jump on Facebook, search ODs on finance. And as long as you're an OD or student, we're happy to let you into the group. And if you want to check out the website, odysonfinance.com and yeah, we hold CE events every month. And I think Steve's going to be, a, you're actually going to be speaking of one I, of them. I'm so, aware yeah. of the CE <laughs> so That's going to be a good yeah. time. <laughs> there was a half second there where I thought, oh, that's cool. And then I thought, yeah, I'm I'm talking at that. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do know about that. All right, man, I'm going to let you get back to your work day. It's, uh, I'm, uh, it's, I'm ending here because I'm in East Coast time, but you still oh, got yeah. a, a few hours left of... Uh, uh, of work time. So I'll let you get back to that. It's great seeing you. Uh, as always, keep up the great work with everything you're doing. ODs on finance and uh, hope to talk with you soon. All right. Sounds good, Steve. Thank you All again. Right. Thanks, Aaron. So yeah, thanks again to, for Aaron and everyone who lis who's listening. And if you'd like more information about IDOC and how we work with ODs to help them grow their practice, you can find out more at IDOC.net. So thanks for listening.